Welcome, Serie A fans. Benvenuti to the Total Football Analysis Serie A podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Proc, and I'm joined by Chris Mumford, the EPL podcast host. A lot of goals scored this week, Chris, and many upsets. Uh, only three teams in Serie A didn't score, Lazio, Verona, and Genoa. How do you feel about this crazy weekend? My head blew up this weekend. Uh, seeing uh, f- five of the top six teams in the EPL lose or tie, um, seeing uh, either Barca, Sevilla, or Real Madrid lose or tie, uh, and then seeing what happened in City, I, I don't know what to do with it. We've, of course, got this project big picture mm. and the reverberations, and I have to imagine City A, there's, there's, there's got to be talks in City A, B, and C about what's going on. Though, frankly, I think the Italian lower divisions are better managed than, than the English divisions are. That being said, the Americans, the venture capitalists, they're happy okay. to give $200 million to buy up 10% of the City A uh, marketing broadcasting rights. And, uh, you know, this wave of Americans trying to meddle in European football, I feel like you're part of that way, aren't you? I am, I'm, I'm either part of the problem or part of the solution. Uh, time will tell on that. You know, uh, if, if you have a Midwest convenience store buying mm. the storied franchise of Parma, who the heck knows what, what's going to happen. But I'm happy to see that you and I have a good relationship. There's hope for Italian-American uh, relationship. Connection, yep. Okay, let's begin uh, talking about what happened this weekend on Saturday. AC Milan won beat Inter in the Derby della Madonnina, winning 2-1. to 39-year-old Ibrahimovic with a brace. Chris, what do you think about that game? I was surprised. I thought Inter was going to have this one locked down 2-1, 3-1 potentially. But, um, hey, you know, expected goals is pretty even, about um, 2.9 for Inter and 2.4 for AC Milan. Uh, even the shots on target. Uh, six for Inter and four for AC Milan. But Ibra is Ibra, right? And I'm still amazed that a six foot five man can fall like a folding chair so quickly on what I consider a soft PK. But uh, uh, to, to, to his credit, uh, you know, that second goal, beautiful, beautiful AC Milan team goal there with mm-hmm. Ibra being the lion that he can be. So um, I'm, I keep waiting to doubt Ibra, and he's, he keeps making me look like a fool. That's because lions are different than humans, as he would say. <laughs> but about the, the, the PK, I think it's not a soft PK. I think it's a correct PK, yeah. <laughs> a correct decision. Very, very stupid foul by Alexander Kolarov. I mean, Ibra was, I think, good at selling the shot. And then uh, kind of slowing down, waiting for the, the tackle from Colorado to come in and then draw the PK. I mean, Andanovic is a great PK saver. He saved it. But, you know, Ibra was uh, even lucky and then he was able to put that in. About the second goal, I want to break it down because we, have, we first have Calabria getting out of a dangerous situation in his own uh, half, almost in his own um, box. Playing a ball to, to Alexis Salismacher with the first touch, he goes around his direct marker. Then he finds Chalonoglu. First time ball wide for Rafael Leao, who now is in a 1v1 situation against um, Danilo D'Ambrosio. He's faster. He was very good at using his pace to beat D'Ambrosio on the, on the run. And then great curling ball for Ibrahimovic, 
who was in the right position and put it in. Was that an, another mistake by Kolarov? Was there too much separation between uh, him and Ibrahimovic? What I don't understand is Kolarov is, is no rookie, right? And he got caught ball watching, right? Wrong positioning. And I know he's more of an, of an, a, an attacking player, um, but was drafted in, into this. And I just, it's, it's, it's disappointing to see that. I don't think that Ibra did any, any super special things. He was at the right place at the right time. And to your point on that first goal, you know, he was just very savvy about what can be done. And sometimes taking that little hesitation, you get that little connection, you get the foul. That's, they don't, they don't, uh, a PK counts as much as a regular goal. So um, I, I'm, I'm really struck by how AC Milan are still very dependent on, on Ibra. Um, and it'll be very interesting to see how far he can carry them. What's, how, how far do you think he, they, uh, Ibra can carry them? Well, he has the highest wage on the team. He is, uh, is right now earning a net 7 million wage. So he kind of maybe feels the pressure to carry this team. And it's uh, rightfully so. I think that uh, despite the excitement um, that um, AC Milan are enjoying right now, they're going to try to finish in the top four to play Champions League next year. But what I think they did well, they played the rest of the game in a very mature way. They were 2-0 up against a team that on paper has a better roster, even though they had a lot of players out with injuries and COVID. And they tried to, uh, to maintain the lead, which they did. Uh, obviously, they suffered because when, you have, when you're playing against quality players like Lukaku, Martinez, Hakimi, um, Barella, I think he had an incredible game. He was mm -hmm. everywhere. He always ready for the tackle. And when I was looking at Lukaku, it's really impossible to mark him when he plants his feet and he takes position. You can have someone as good as Romagnoli and as physically structured as, uh, as Romagnoli, but you're not going to be able to take the ball away from him. You don't want to get too close, otherwise he's going to spin you. And so you just have to wait for support. You're going to have a midfielder in that case, in Milan case, Benacer or Kessi, tracking back, making those back runs to help uh, the defender. Because if Lukaku is shielding the ball from you, you don't see it. And when help comes, then it's going to be a first-time finish or it's going to be trouble. Like it happened until the very last second when he tried that, the back heel that luckily Donnarumma was able to save. Yeah, Donnarumma was able to save because it hit him in the chest. I mean, but good positioning. That's, I'm a man. <laughs> yeah, I, I will always give credit to a keeper for for good positioning. Mm -hmm. um, but Lukaku is is Lukaku. Uh, you know, I, I think most people think he's perceived as uh, the way he plays is is of a over thirty striker in terms of his wisdom, but he's still in his 20s. Um, so he's still got some good years ahead of him. I think he's been able to demonstrate that he is truly a, a world-class striker. Um, you know, but he had a couple opportunities, two really legit opportunities to finish and it didn't happen. And, you know, I do think that in the second half, Inter were able to create some really um, they were dangerous situations while as yet AC, as you said, they wanted to protect the lead. Um, but, you know, I, I'm so pleased that we had that game. 
I would like to have seen that game without the injuries and the COVID um, mm-hmm. kind of depletions of the back line of Inter. Um, so I do think that AC can beat any top four team on any given day. Will they have the staying power over 38 games along with European competition? Jury's still out on that, right? You've, you've got a profile of some very young players that need to be seasoned. And then you've got some, you know, um, old wise men uh, in the form of, of Ibra. So, You're right. And uh, about European competitions, uh, Milan will play on Thursday against Celtic and Inter will play this Wednesday against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, Conte's men are going to have to react because right now they're 2-1-1 one, one in the league, sitting at six. Um, and Champions League is, uh, is, a big, is a big target with that kind of roster. Like you said, yes, it's been a little bit uh, torn out by injuries and COVID, but uh, I see them really showing a big reaction already this Wednesday. Would you agree? Yes, I would. I mean, here's what I don't worry about the league so much is because everyone, everyone else more or less lost, right? You, AC, uh, obviously, um, uh, Milan did, did well. Um, Napoli moved up. But the, the serious competitors either went sideways or went down. So I, don't, I, I feel like uh, Inter's in a strong position. Very candidly, you know, you have to take every um, Champions League game seriously. But they're not playing PSG. They're not playing Barca um, out of the, out of the box. So I'm hopeful that they get past um, the very light injuries they have. I hope they get past the COVID uh, and then they can be the best version of themselves because I really think that we're only a few weeks into this, but I really feel like this is going to be one of the most exciting um, uh seasons that we've had by definition because Juve's won won them so many but I think you know later we're going to talk about Juve's vulnerabilities Mm -hmm. and you mentioned Napoli moving up and the way that they moved up this weekend with four goals in 45 minutes against an Atalanta side that really seemed to have forgotten how to defend in that game not that we talked about this often not that they've they have been historically or in the past years the best defensive team, but there were some instances and I would like to isolate in this conversation, the third goal, the goal by Matteo Politano, when he receives the ball wide, right? Obviously we all know he's left footed. He's very good at coming inside and either serving or shooting. And he puts, puts down the ball, takes one touch inside and nobody steps. Another touch inside, nobody steps. He takes another touch and nobody steps. At that point, he's 25 meters out. He has a free lane for a shot, and at that level, those kind of guys they can put put the ball in the in the top corner. That's what he did. Um, but overall, uh, you know, very poor defending in one half. It can just cost you a game against a direct rival. Well, I will tell you, um, you know, I I favor uh, Atalanta's style very much, but we know they've they've been very capable of playing some exciting football. Uh, I think they're also very good in terms of being able to sell players on, right? They are a, they are a selling club um, and they've been able to find that balance. But in terms of really making a serious run, I just feel like they're not going to have the defense that they need. You know, they, the expected goals for Napoli was 
2.36 versus um, Atalanta's 0.96. But here's the stat that really sticks out to me. Napoli had 13 shots on target and Atalanta had four. And I got to tell you something. In the first half, I really feel like as you the, the the third goal you mentioned, there were so many instances where defenders were just backing off the ball, backing off the ball. And if you give more than a yard to a a, a, a top five or six uh, team um, striker, you're you're not gonna you're not giving your you're not doing your goalkeeper any favors on that. And I, I just I'm so impressed by what Napoli did in terms of the intensity that they brought. And pretty much by the second half, you could have gone and done some yard work because it was done and dusted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Time and space. That's what they they tell you not to give to, to players with quality. And uh, I do think uh, that Atalanta will be able to, you know, stick around the top position until the end. That's just because it's a long season and they have shown that their exciting football will uh, pays off. So I, I'm going to disagree there. And I think that it will, uh, they will be up there when March or April comes around. But, but I think they're going to be a serious contender to win. Yeah, yeah I think so. Okay. Well, I, I'm, I, I know I'm ha- we're going to have to agree to disagree because they ride on excitement. I just don't think in City A uh, you can out think that you can outscore your opponents with without playing solid defense, and I just don't see the pieces there, especially with some uh, recent um, recent sales and who they've brought in. I just I feel like they're missing a couple of big pieces uh, in that defensive line. You know what I enjoyed seeing from a Napoli perspective was that. Uh, Napoli really was not did not feel the absence of Insigne. They played very well with uh, um, Politano, with uh, Lozano, and uh, Victor Osiman, who got his first Serie A goal. The work that he does up top is brilliant. Uh, struck physically structured guy, take keeps the defender busy. Technically shown to be good. The goal he scored it was off of uh, the goalkeeper Ospina's long ball. He puts it down with his chest takes two touches and then shoots from 25 meters out. Um, Chris, Atalanta will have to uh, shift gear very quickly because they're playing uh, in Champions League. They are playing a Danish club. Now I'm going to pronounce it the wrong way, but they're playing Danish club Midtjylland this Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, gonna, it's like Inter, they're going to have to show some kind of reaction. Yeah, they're going to have to show some reaction. I do think that, again, they're not playing PSG or, or uh, Man U or, or, or someone like that, but they're going to have to take care of businesses. And, you know, I'm curious to see how their offensive-mindedness uh, is, is going to be able to sustain in light of the fact that, you know, they're probably mid-table in the number of goals that they allowed last year. So, um, you know, 48 goals against... I don't see that working in Serie A. I don't know if – I think they can upset anybody in Champions League on the right day, but I don't think they're going to be able to have a sustained effort to get through uh, Champions League. Yeah, I don't know. Last year, they did get to play against PSG, and yeah. they were beating PSG till the very end. 
um, two late goals and knocked them out. Again, I'm, I am still very optimistic about what Giampiero Gasperini's side can do with uh, uh, the excitement, the entertainment, and you can feel that, you can see that players have a good time on the field when, when they play together. And But you, you just described Liverpool the first and second year that Klopp was there. <laughs> Right, no, it was no, no, no. so fun. They're the hipster, just like Atalanta is is the hipster club right now. But when it's time to get serious and start winning, you know, you buy the goalkeeper, you buy the backs mm. that you need to really lock it down. Yeah, unlike Liverpool, probably they don't have the same financial resources to do that. So they're gonna have to keep keep going with the same, you know, a very specific recruitment process, a very a uh, specific uh, selection of players that come back from loans, and that that's gonna have to do it for uh, for Atalanta. And you have to respect that. You have to respect mm-hmm. that their style of play. They're disciplined about that, that, and they know what their business model is. I love it. They are punching mm-hmm. so far ahead of their weight. It's crazy. It's fun to watch that. I love watching mm-hmm. the, their style of play. But you know, when you're talking about winning it all. It's just there are too many grown-ups uh, in the league to, to get past. Juventus struggled this past weekend. They were missing Cristiano Ronaldo for COVID. And uh, they tied at Crotone, one-to-one. Chris, I'm not going to say I told you, but I told you. Now, you totally told me on that. I mean, uh, I, I guess this is kind of uh, – in, in this case, you know, there it was – XG was pretty similar, 1.4 to 1.34. Shots on target was three for Crotone and two for Juve, right? So it was, in my opinion, almost a yawner game from an offensive perspective and a goalkeeper save perspective. Um, But we now know the secret recipe to beat Juve, okay? Step number one is get Corona for all (laughs) that. Step number two is get a early penalty within the first 15 minutes of the game, right? Step number three, get a red card on a Juve player, a new Juve player. Mm-hmm. You can tie. That is the trick to, to tying or beating, uh, um, beating Juve going forward. The only trick is, is that Ronaldo is probably not going to get sick. Hopefully, he doesn't get sick a second time with, with coronavirus. Well, he has a... a- a three month of uh, a three month of a will uh, wiggle room, right? That's approximately how how long you're immune uh, from COVID after you get it. But so you, what you said can be summarized in one word: episodes. You need episodes against Juventus, and uh, Crotone got a PK in the in the 12th minute. Uh, Simi was able to convert that, and then I liked a lot. Um, Alvaro Morata's goal, the first one uh, of the season for him, because I like how it was built up. There was Kuleszewski carrying the ball, the run by newly signed winger Federico Chiesa was exemplary. He he was waiting for the pass in order to not go offside. He curved his run a little bit so that he was running more sideways than straightforward. And then when the pass was played to him, he accelerated. And he's very fast, very pacey winger. Puts the ball across. Morata just followed. Again, right spot, right time. 1-1. Morata got, got a goal disallowed for a very um, very close offside call. 
there was probably half of his left boot uh, mm-hmm. offside. But then Juventus was not able to, um, to, uh, to win the game, something that I would argue they were, they've always or at least often been able to do in the past years, you know, win despite not playing well, win despite not having many chances, just win. That's exactly right. I mean, that's if if you look in other leagues, that Liverpool was able to manufacture those one zero wins um, against what you would consider is is lower level competition. And I just wonder, with with Juve being a year older, are they going to be able to do that? And I do think that tactically, in terms of uh, you know, Crotone really backed off. If you look at their PPDA, it's over 20, which means they were just absorbing, pounding after pounding, like like a heavyweight boxer just taking it into the midsection and just hoping to outlast and, and win on decision. And this was a win for Crotone. I mean, this is something they're probably going to talk about for some time that they came in and 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 manhandled Juve or, or they took the punches and, and they were still left standing. And um, you have to respect that from a club that has a lower payroll than Ronaldo himself. Right? <laughs> I mean, that's crazy how, how that's the case, but that's kind of where city I is and, and, and just hats off. And, you know, they'll be talking about that at the espresso bars for years to come. 31 million euros is the, the wage of Cristiano. Yeah. By far the highest in Serie A and in Juventus because the second one is, I'm pretty sure it was Matias De Ligt with 8 millions. But yeah, back to your point, Crotone parked the red and blue bus in front of the goal and um, it worked. They collected their first point in the season. They're not last anymore because last in the table is Torino, mm-hmm. uh, Juventus' rival. And third to last is, is Parma. So your, uh, your Midwest friend is... Uh, is going to have to figure out how to work his way uh, into the Serie A world. He, he's got 85 million reasons why he should be <laughs> because that's how much they spend in transfer fees, um, which made them the big spender in Serie A. And one of the bigger, you know, the only, only to be rivaled by the Premier League teams. So, so this is something we, uh, we've heard multiple times, but so are Juventus reliant, dependent on Cristiano? You know, he missed... He missed this game, and you said they had two shots on goal. And Ronaldo himself, he finished last season with an average of 5.8 shots per game. I don't know. You tell me. Again, uh, I think that Juve is as vulnerable now as they've ever been. I think the competition has gotten better. Uh, and we're, we're going to see. I mean, the scary thing that I worry about Serie A is – if Ronaldo leaves, who are the Galacticos in Serie A, right? Mm. I mean, uh, if Messi leaves uh, La Liga, it's like, who, who, are the, who are the standard bearers, right? We know what's happening in France, Mbappe and, and uh, Neymar. And then England's got just a whole mess of them, right? But, if, but I just, it's going to be really interesting to see because – we want Serie A to remain very relevant. And it's, I still can't get my head around this, is that you know, most people think, wh- where does Serie A fit in, in the football universe now, right? I mean, I think it's not controversial to say that the Premier League is at, at the very top. 
is Serie A the sort of team where you go before you go to the MLS? Is <laughs> a beer team? Ibrahimovic will say it's the, the, the league that you go after you go to the MLS. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess you're right. Ibra went to MLS <laughs> first and yeah. then he went to Serie A. But I don't want to believe that. I want to believe that Serie A is is up there or at least a step down from from um, the, Premier, the Premier League. I, I'd like to see Juve make some nice deep runs. I'd like to see Inter bring it to the Premier League, right, because they can, right? And, uh, you know, the the other guys, I don't know. It's going to be a, it's gonna be a tough, tough uh, mountain to get up on that. Paulo Dybala remained on the bench for the entire game against Crotone, and Pirlo said that he had been out for, for three months. He didn't want to um, risk him, especially because Juventus went down uh, to 10 men after Chiesa, red card. But Dybala could come in tomorrow when uh, Juventus take on uh, Dinamo Kiev in Kiev, kickoff at 12.55 p.m. Otherwise, I think we're going to expect the same or a similar starting 11 from Pirlo. Um Man, Champions League is gonna have to uh, to come to Turin at some point. There's a, there's so much pressure, and uh, they're, again, they're not gonna be able to count on Cristiano. But Pirlo has uh, now has kind of the the eyes of of the Juventus fans on him because he started very in a very exciting way, and now is uh, you know at this level you you tie two games and you're already questioned. Uh, he's played some young players, uh, but. I don't know. Do you think that the maestro is already feeling the pressure? Well, I just honestly, I th- I think he got, and I, and of course, it's I'm I'm embarrassed to say this. You could say he almost got a bad hand. I mean, the truth is, is he didn't even have his coaching badges, and and they hand him Juve. I mean, of which, of course, mm-hmm. his history is his history. But is Morata the heir? Apparent after Ronaldo, if Ronaldo starts to decline, I mean, who who's going to step up? Who's going to step up? Let's say that Ronaldo still has an amazing season and and scores five or seven goals less than he did last season, right? Mm-hmm. Who's going to pick that up? And I maybe Morata is is that? I don't I don't no, know. No, I just think that when Ronaldo leaves, Juventus will have to buy the the next big star. Or you know one of the top ten players in the European landscape, but um, I don't know. He's uh, yes, he's thirty five, but apparently science says that he has the the body of a twenty five year old. So, and and I hope he stays for another five years, right? And I hope that that he is as more f- as effective as as he 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 stays on the Ebra diet. I guess is uh, <laughs> is is what I hope he does. Roma beat Benevento 5-2-2. And uh, you know what's interesting? Roma will be tied for second position if they hadn't made that mistake in the round one of Serie A this year when uh, they put Diavara under the run list in the game against Verona. So Verona appealed and the decision of Lega Serie A was 3-0 for Verona. So Roma lost that game. Other than that, they tied Juventus and then they won their, their next two games. So right now they're eighth with uh with seven points um but they uh even the new signing pedro pe- played very well uh last game so that's a that's a convincing sign for uh for fonseca the other inzaghi uh simone inzaghi 
uh, didn't have a happy weekend either as Lazio lost three to nothing against Sampdoria. Inzaghi called one of the worst performances of his side. You were very surprised of that result, Chris. Yeah, I, I am. I mean, I just, I'm not sure which Lazio I'm, I'm watching on any given day, right? Um, they were so elegant pre-COVID and just very incisive. Mm. And in this particular match, I just felt that was I, was I, I was doing double takes was how, how did they lose their mojo? Um, you got any thoughts on that? I think that the problem is what is the same as the one that we brought up in the last episode. They didn't renovate their, the roster. And uh, again, when your competitors around you, they build, they build and they improve, you are going to have to keep up with that. And uh, it's the same formation, uh, almost the same formation as, as last year. They were also missing Chiro Immobile. He had a red card in the sure. previous fixture. And, you know, a guy that scored 30-plus goals, you're going to feel it when, when he's not on the pitch. Right. But, but you, I'll tell you how much they felt it, right? So mm -hmm. there were 10 shots taken by Lazio. Zero, zero were on target, Ooh. right? Uh, versus Samp, which had 12 shots, seven were on target. So you do the math on that. You're not going to win a whole lot of games. And admittedly, XG for Samp was 1.6 versus three goals they scored. So they did a very good job in terms of finishing Lazio had 0.73, which given the positions they're at and to have zero shots on target, you could tell they were missing their, their go-to um, guy on it. I mean, I, it's just, I don't know what you can say, but Lazio is going to have to be able to bring something else because to count on another 30-plus goal season from one of your players, I just don't think it's realistic. And I just wonder if they're three five two, if they're going to have to experiment with the formation on that or not, given that the personnel constraints that they're going to have. And they're going to have to bring something else on tomorrow at 3 p.m. when they face Borussia Dortmund. Uh, it's probably of the Serie A teams involved in, uh, in this uh, European competition. It's probably the most exciting game on paper. Yeah. I think there's going to be um, good pace, good intensity. And uh, I don't know. Do you think that Simone and Zaghi's men are going? Do they, do they have a shot to to go through their group? I don't think. so. And that breaks my heart because you know I absolutely love their jerseys and I wear them around all the time. I just I don't see how they're going to get it done in terms of goals, and that's going to be what they're going to have to struggle with all season. Well, the group is with Club Bruges and Zenit. Uh, and obviously Borussia Dortmund, I think it's not too bad. I think that uh, they will turn it around. And, um, you know, this, this is the novelty maybe that they need to spark that excitement back, like you said, pre-COVID. So we'll see how they, how they do tomorrow. Um, you know who's doing well is Sassuolo, currently sitting second with 10 points, one draw and three wins. Also, because they can count on uh, Ciccio Caputo and Domenico Berardi, they are the two Italian players with um, the highest number of goals and assists combined since lockdown. That's 29. 
And it's not a coincidence that Roberto Mancini has called him up for the national team. Chris, Sassuolo, uh, Europa League, that's a, re- um, a feasible target. That's something they should shoot for. I hope so. I mean, they're, they're, they're ex- I enjoy their style of play a great deal. Um, I think we're going to find that this year, particularly with uh, the European, Europa competitions slapped right on top, I, I, I just don't feel like there's a lot of re- room to breathe. And I just think we're going to end up coming up with some really peculiar outcomes, which is great because that's going to mean that City A is competitive mm-hmm. and it's not, there's not going to be a, a, a kind of a automatic uh, in terms of the initial slots. But I don't know. What's your take on Sassuolo? It's a very exciting side besides Caputo and Berardi. Uh, on top, you have Juricic, uh, you have uh, uh, Raspadori, you have Boga. I also have midfielder Manu Locatelli, who was also called up for the national team. And uh, I mean, it's no coincidence that Juventus tried to sign him in this past transfer window. So they have a lot of talent, and that's Italian talent, most of it. So that's good, good news. And that's good news. We're going to get a real test for them because on November 1st, they're playing Napoli, right? Mm-hmm. And then they're going to be playing Roma uh, on December 6th. Before, the week before that, they've got Inter to play. So in the next five weeks, we're going to have a pretty good idea of how legit are they in terms of Serie A. So since you're looking at the schedule, tell me what have you marked on your calendar for this weekend, Chris? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. This is probably one of my least favorite weeks of what I'm going to be watching. It's because you're nostalgic. This past weekend was too good. This past Saturday, especially. I was spoiled this weekend. <laughs> I, I, so much soccer, so little time for me. You know, I'm, I'm curious to see Lazio playing Bologna. What, how are they going to be able to wh- – how will they be able to respond, right? Will they be able to get some scoring mojo? Because that's going to be the, the, the real trick for them. I know which game you're going to be watching. What is I'll, it? I'll break that down. Milan-Roma. <laughs> I will be watching that, but I'm telling you, I have two other games that I think okay. are interesting. One is Juventus against Verona. Interesting fact, uh, there are two teams who have – they have both won one game for forfeit this season, which is something that really doesn't happen often mm-hmm. in a serious season, let alone in just four games. Um, but there's also the, the derby, the La Campania, regional derby from the Campania region, Napoli against Benevento. If, you know, there is Lorenzo Insigne playing for Napoli and Roberto Insigne playing for Benevento, I don't know about the conditions of in Lorenzo Insigne, but otherwise we could have the Insigne brothers playing each other. Uh, mm-hmm. that, w- that would be fun. Uh, are you looking at any other fixtures for, uh, for this weekend? No, I'm going to be honest with you. It's, uh, th- this last weekend, there was so much going on in, in the different leagues, and I feel like things are 
quieted down. English Premier League is going to be pretty quiet. I feel like there's only going to be one or two games that I've I've circled. Um, I the good news is I do think there are going to be some interesting Champions Champions League matches during the week. Also, so able- there's going to be some uh, some goals because most games they finish with an over two point five in this past weekend. Uh, that's true. Though I will tell you, I know that in the in the EPL the Today's games uh, were below 2.5, um, but which average it was, it was 3.7 through Sunday. And I think that number is probably going to come down. It's still going to be over three, which is still good over the the kind of the traditional 2.5. But yeah, I I don't know. I still haven't figured out uh, why there's so many goals being scored. Um, Maybe it's something that you strikers aren't sharing with the rest of us uh, that you we have uh, our own uh, a group chat on WhatsApp, and now I'm going to tell you what's <laughs> happening there. Uh, You'd have to plus, I think. Yes, I know. But yeah, no, it, it's just it's an amazing – I will tell you, I'm so happy with the way things are turning out because, at least for now, I'm going to still be naive and think that maybe there's going to be some growing parity. Maybe some of these lower and mid-table teams are starting to figure out things tactically. Maybe the talent levels are getting better. Um, you know, maybe it's it's not going to be 80, 80 points or 90 points that win. It's going to be 70s, right, or, or low 80s. It's, there's going to be some narratives to tell around that, and that's – why I watch is because I want to hear the stories, right? And I want to see the stats. So hopefully we'll soon be able to uh, figure out the real reason behind uh, uh, this many goals. Chris, always a pleasure to discuss culture with you. Please enjoy the Champions League and Europa League games with seven Italian clubs taking the field between Tuesday and Thursday. We will see you guys uh, next week after round five of Serie A. Arrivederci.